0: With the 4th pick in the NFL Draft, the New York Jets select,
1: speech, and it's Garrett Wilson. Uh-huh. Kayvon Taberno again! Uh-huh. Kyle Hamilton in the end zone! Sauce
0: Gardner coming in high.
1: What is up everybody? No, that is not the wonderful, wonderful voice of Michael Megan that you're hearing. It is I, G.A. Osario, back with the Four Horsemen of the TOJ Draft World, Michael Megan, James Coons, Joe Billick. Fellas, one, thank you for bringing me back because I was getting bored of hanging out with Will on the TOJ Live set. I was getting very bored with that. Shout out to our boy Will, host of the TOJ, host of the TOJ pod. Shout out to Steven Zanz and Steve Russo, host of TOJ Live. Fellas, We're back. We are a month and some change away from the draft. And you have brought me back like Loki in in Thor (laughs) Ragnarok to set the table. What is up,
0: guys? I'm chilling, DA. You know, let me tell you, when you first told me you weren't coming back, I said replacing you would be like replacing Aaron Rodgers with Jordan Love. Now, I do have to give a shout out to my guy, Dylan, because um, he's definitely brought the fire. And it looks like we replaced one heavyweight with another.
1: But man, I miss you, DA. How are you? I'm good. And, and, and this will be the only time that I'll allow myself to be compared to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it's the only time that happens, but I'm good. I'm glad to be back. I miss you guys. Meigs, how are you, my brother? I'm
2: good. I know. I just want to say Dylan, shout out to him. Um, he was, you know, he kept telling me Jahan Dotson was going to run in the four threes at <laughs> the Combine didn't happen and then he's just magically missing the next episode i i you know it feels a little convenient da but i'm glad you're back you've been in the take chamber just you know waiting to burst i'm excited what you got for us tonight
1: and you know shout out to dylan because you know heavy does lie the crown but he has been bringing it every week shout out to him james the only under 20 year old that i trust in this world how <laughs> are you how is it going
3: i'm good i'm good i'm, I'm hyped for this episode
1: this should be really fun Let's do it. Let's do it. So for everybody listening, the boys asked me, they said, one, was I going to bring enough fire takes to do this? And normally, you know, we reserve that for Fuego, but I took four or five from him and I'm going to drop them in in a minute. But we're going to take this straight from the slack because there's been so many conversations that we've had over the last four months. And I got to start by shouting out Meeks because Meeks said this would happen with who I think is the best overall player in this class and Kayvon Thibodeau. Meeks said five months ago, give it until March. And you're going to see that the folks that thought that he was that good are suddenly going to start to overthink it. And what has happened? Now we're talking about he may fall out of the top 10 leagues. Please tell the folks why you knew that was going to happen and whether folks are crazy to talk about him falling outside the top 10.
2: I mean, it's just it's fatigue. Everyone likes the shiny new toy. Aiden Hutchinson's a very good player. He had, I would say, a stronger season. Michigan had a great year. He deserves to be talked about as among the top edges in this group. Travon Walker, you know, he blew up the combine and now he's the toast of the town. You know, he did all the drills. He had a crazy three cone. Crazy, crazy, crazy athlete. Pass rush, still need some work, but there's an exciting player there. And I think, you know, KV on Thibodeau was billed as, since his freshman year, that he was going to be a guy who could contend for a number one pick in the draft. He was one of the, I think the second or first best high school recruit coming out of California. I think people are just bored. They're looking for things that frankly, I don't see they're saying he's stiff. They're saying he lacks bend. I find that hilarious to talk about that in this pass rusher class, which isn't exactly full of Brian Burns and Von Miller's, but KT, I he's the best player in the draft to me. If the Jets pass on at four, I really don't know what Joe Douglas is thinking, and it's really just as
1: simple as that. We will storm the refrigerator box that is MetLife <laughs> if, they, if they do that. Joe, you were shaking your head as Meigs was saying this, and I will say I'll drop a, a real fire take right now because you mentioned, you know, Trayvon Walker, the edge from Georgia, who has been the talk of the town, and I will let you guys know. I updated my big board today, and I just need to transfer it to the spreadsheet. Um, Trayvon Walker is the 51st player on my big board, 51. Okay, <laughs> and I'm gonna lay it out for you. He sits real. He sits two spots behind a Joe Bellick favorite. Who I'm gonna go to him, Nikki B. The edge from Oklahoma. So, Joe, let's talk Kayvon. Let's talk edges because you were shaking your head as Meeks was as Meeks was talking about your boy Aiden Hutchinson, who you called your shot on four months ago. Well, Meeks keeps
0: saying that people are overthinking it, but it's, that's not really what it is. People have actually dove deep into the film and have found some flaws. And people are trying to figure out who is the best prospect for their team. And they're not just going to go on hearsay or hype. They're actually going to do the work. And that's what I did. And I've watched a number of games of Kayvon Thibodeau. And there are a lot of things to dislike. His effort, like Daniel Jeremiah described, definitely is lacking at times. His technique sometimes, is definitely exposed, especially when an offensive lineman beats him to a spot when he's rushing to the outside. And, and listen, he's not this perfect prospect that people are making him out to be. I actually called him a highlight real prospect. And that's some guy who has otherworldly plays, ridiculous plays that you put together a bunch of clips, you put it on YouTube, and you're like, wow, this guy's amazing. But when you really dive deep, like I said, there is, there is some reservations there. There's no question about it. I don't think it's crazy for Joe Douglas to skip on him. I do think he is an incredibly talented player, but this overthinking and kind of uh, kind of backtracking on Kayvon because we're bored, that's just not the case. We just really happen to dive deep, like I said, due to homework, and I'm sorry, Meeks, like, Kayvon isn't this this guy that you're making him out to be. Like, he's great, I'd be happy with him at four, but dude, there are better prospects, better edge guys in this class, and one of them is most definitely Aiden Hutchinson, that's for sure.
2: Oh, so you're telling me you
0: got KT edge three now? <laughs> I said Aiden Hutchinson, Nick. I think said he wanted better edges. I heard edges. Burrow. I do believe that Jermaine Johnson is more technically sound than Kayvon. There's no question. I think he is more, more pro ready in that regard. I think that Kayvon is a better athlete, but Jermaine Johnson is a better run defender. Okay, Jermaine Johnson so, so. is a more complete defender. So, There's no question about it. Then, Will Kayvon, yeah, does Kayvon have more upside as far as pass rushing skills? I do think he has more upside in that regard. I do. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't kill anybody for putting Jermaine Johnson ahead of Kayvon Thibodeau.
1: I you don't so you, You're you dancing around Joe. this. It sounds yeah, like I was going to say, it sounds, it sounds a lot, you know, like you're hitting the salsa on us. Today, you, you're, in the, you're in the war room with Joe Douglas. You're sitting on the clock at four. You're taking Jermaine Johnson over Kayvon Thibodeau? I am not. Okay. okay. All right. All right. That's all we needed. Wait, what is making sure? That's all we need. I'm just show. saying
0: if Joe Douglas did it, I, I wouldn't complain. And I would completely Joe- un- and I would and I would completely
1: understand it. So I will tell you, if Joe Douglas did that, I would make Florin Park look like a January 6th insurrection. That's what would happen. I'd be up there with my boys. We'd be shutting that down real quick. James. <laughs> James, hit me with some edge talk, man. I've been I've been waiting. I, I know, I know, you know. Joe has been giving you a hard time because you were born in you know the end of ninety you know the end of the nineties Y two K whatever like you know every doesn't know worry after you. <laughs> Yeah, Dude, James is so much yeah, James so much younger, younger than, than the <laughs> rest of us. So much younger than the rest of us. But what are your thoughts on this edge thing again? Like I I find it insane that we're talking about. For me, in my opinion, pound for pound, the best prospect in this class falling out of the top 10 based off intel that, you know, folks who steal from kids are hearing. Go ahead, James.
3: Jesus. Okay. Um, I mean, I know I came in saying I was going to say some outrageous stuff, but I don't know yes. if I could top some of that. What I will say is, like, who actually cares about, like, run defense in 2022 with, like, top edge <laughs> prospects? Like, I get that you need to build a roster, but I feel like the whole Trevon Walker thing has gotten a bit out of hand. The one thing I think you can point to with him is that if you look at his athletic testing, you know, they have this metric called RAS. I think it's like relative athletic score and his score, which is a 99 or 9.99 out of 10 is like one of the highest that's ever been recorded. And if you look at people who have scored that perfect 10, basically everybody pans out. So that's the one thing I would point to if I were making the Travon Walker argument. I think with regard to Kayvon, I think it's kind of a, a, the narratives around him are a product of kind of like people are tired of talking about him. And I just disagree with like, I think just because somebody has a big personality, like doesn't mean that you should just go around like slandering their character and making all these assumptions based on like your preconceptions of what somebody, you know, with that type of personality is going to be like on the field and off the field. So, you know, overall, like, I'm still a Kayvon guy. I think Trevon Walker is inter- interesting, but not really
0: meriting a serious discussion at four. And, uh, and yeah. The one thing we talk a lot about when it comes to Joe Douglas is character. He loves high character guys. So bringing that stuff up, up about Kayvon, I think is, is legitimate.
1: I think it's something we should talk about. Is
0: he really a Joe Douglas guy? But
1: why would, so I guess my question, because I think I I agree with James said, my question would be then, why, why is it somebody who has a big personality, suddenly like a character issue kind of guy, right? Because like, you know, we were talking about Deion Sanders before we came on. Deion, Deion didn't have character flaws, and he was a big personality, like, like, and even now he's still a big personality, right? So I think, you know, like, Kayvon's not Jamal Adams. Right. Like and, and that's I think that's the rea- like when I think about big personalities that are detriment to their teams, I think of Jamal Adams. Like Jamal Adams is a guy who brings a lot of who brings a lot of attention to himself and then cries victim when it doesn't work out. I don't get that vibe from Kayvon at all. Like Kayvon doesn't strike me as that kind of dude, Um, you know, unless, you know, we're sitting here three years from now and it's like, you know, he he drove his car down the wrong side of the lincoln tunnel or whatever then it's like oh damn i would miss that um but <laughs> Joe, what, what you speak speak to that because that's yeah. that's interesting i don't agree but I, i'm curious your thoughts
0: i think the difference between Dion sanders and say Kayvon thibodeau and i don't know cave enough to say he has a high character you and him people. don't go I to just, brunch together i just don't but i'd go to brunch with him why not let's do it <laughs> but i just feel like Dion was more of like he had that swag it was like swag swagalicious you know yeah. And Kayvon sometimes seems a little bit more on the douchey side. If I'm going to be completely realistic with some of the stuff that I've seen and heard, I mean, it's just true. I, mean, like that's the biggest difference between those two guys. Like you could have a big personality and not come off like a douchebag. And I think sometimes like Kayvon to certain people might actually come off that way. But who cares? Uh, well, Joe Douglas cares. Joe that's Douglas what I'm trying to say. Care. Joe Douglas cares about Joe Douglas. Joe drafted Do- Ashton Douglas, Davis. Like, 100%, who cares what he thinks? Joe Douglas, <laughs> 100% cares. About who he's bringing into the locker room and how they're going to interact with the other players. There's you know who's, no you doubt. Know
1: who seems like a douche? The quarterback he took second overall, and he, no still, took <laughs> he still took him. Still took him. That's a good point, <laughs> he, still, he Still took him. You know, so but I, but it is interesting. I, I like the point that you made about just like how I mean everybody perceives things differently, right? Like he, someone may look at Kayvon and say. You know, some of you mentioned Miles Garrett and his love of poetry and how they started slandering that in his draft class. Yep. Like, people find weird shit to slander, man. <laughs> I think
2: that's because my real. man likes some dinosaurs. They thought Mitch Trubisky <laughs> should go one overall. We don't
1: forget. We right. don't forget. I want to switch to the other side of the ball because we talked about edge and, and we got, you know, we have Joe, you know, and we, we all have, so I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with, you know, Joe's favorite prospect, favorite offensive lineman prospect, as far as the slack can tell, and that is Tyler Linderbaum, the, the center from, from Iowa. Okay, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to go around the horn here, James, I'm going to start with you. What is the absolute highest you would take Linderbaum? the absolute highest, like like, the absolute, like you're like, okay, you know what? If I got him at 15, that's great value. And you would not want to go any, you don't want to go any lower than that. What's the absolute highest you'll take?
0: I'd probably say like 18. Okay. Meeks?
1: 35. Top of round two.
0: Joe? I talked about this with you, the Slack once, even early on before the Giants Mm -hmm. had their coach. And I said, I never thought that Tyler Lindenbaum would be a top 10 pick because I feel like he's more of a Kind of I think he is a versatile player. I think he can play in multiple schemes. I think he just needs to put on like ten more pounds and he could probably play in a little bit more of a gap heavy team if he had like bigger guards surrounding him to help him out. But he is a little bit more of a perfect fit for the Jets team in like a wide zone. And that's why I didn't think or I couldn't see a team within the top ten that would really end up taking him who needed a center. So I felt like he would probably be able to be had in that fifteen to twenty range. and I think the the Jets could still get him in that spot if they decided to trade down from ten. So, I think that's a sweet spot for
1: him. Yeah. So Meigs is the only one that's like never in round one. Absolutely not in round one. Meigs, how come? What's what's your what's your issue with Linderbaum? Tyler
2: Linderbaum is a scheme-specific prospect. The Jets do employ his scheme, but it's basically just a basically just a simple market thing where it talks about the demand. Does every single team in the NFL run outside zone? No, they don't. If you look at it, I would say there's probably around. 12-ish teams. I would have to count them all in my head to see that he would really be the center four, and I don't think that you have to use one of your first-round picks to take a center that's going to be playing in your scheme because let's just let's just call it how it is. I like Robert Sala. I like Michael Flar. Tyler Winterbaum's rookie contract, if he's taken in the first round, is four years and then if we pick up fifth-year option, it's five years. If they're not here and the next coach wants To run a different scheme, do I know if Tyler Linderbaum fits it? He could because Tyler Linderbaum is an incredibly talented football player, but I'm not going to say 100% he's going to be an elite center in regards to whatever scheme he plays in because I don't think he's transcendent in that way. So that's why when you talk about all the holes on this team with safety at corner, at edge, that I wouldn't use a first-round pick on a center with that ambiguity.
0: The whole thing yeah, is you no. see, even in the past centers have certainly played like even under 300 pounds. I think it was Jeff Saturday who talked about how he would go and get measured and put like a five pound weight in his pants, just so he would get to that, like 305 pound weight that his coaches want him to play at. But he was clearly somebody who was like under that. So I think, like I said, Linderbaum is scheme versatile. He's just better for the Jets offer. He's better for a wide zone. He's more perfect for that. But could he actually do it? Like I said, if you get, if you have help around him in those guard spots, he absolutely could. So I don't think that that's an issue to me I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I was gonna say. So I, I, I like Linderbom as a player. Um, I don't think he makes it past Baltimore at fourteen. I think, I think that's a, probably as far as he as he goes. I'm with James though. If I could get back, like say Philly wanted to go up for somebody and we could get to like night the nineteenth pick and then some extra assets, I take him at nineteen. I think that's that's really good value for him. Meeks, you with your, I don't know if Robert Salah is going to be here, and Will with his, if Zach Wilson has six bad games, the Jets are going to be worried. I'm now starting to think that you guys are the ops. I'm very worried about that. (laughs) Uh,
2: I mean, I actually agree more with uh, Will's take about Zach, that if if Zach literally had, if Zach's season next year is like 10% better than this one, the Jets are probably going to be looking at the veteran quarterback market. Because Joe really? Douglas is good. I really do think it's like that is a real possibility just because of how the NFL is trending. And if you really don't show anything in your two years, I think teams are going to look at it as like you're basically making a wish that he just turns it around in the third year. Yeah. So I don't disagree with that with Will. I just think, you know, like Robert Tello, I like Michael Flora, I like, but Jets to go four and 13 last year, like I do think you there should be some room that this might
1: not work out and this regime might not have all the answers. That's fair. So let's, I'm sticking with Lin, with the Linderbaum question, but I'm going to pair it with another prospect, Kyle Hamilton, safety from Notre Dame. So we talked about this uh, in my, like my second to last episode where I, I don't know if you guys remember, but I said, who's the one guy that you think is going to be absolutely hyped over the next year. And James said, Kyle Hamilton. Uh, so kudos to him. If the jets are sitting at 10, I'm going to pose a scenario. The jets are sitting at 10, Kyle Hamilton and Tyler Linderbaum are both on the board. Who are you taking, Joe? I'm going to go to you first. At ten, at ten. No trade down. No trade down. Oh they're the God, two. I they're the two prospects on the board. They're two top-rated prospects on the board. Oh man, that's a t- that's a tough
0: one, Da. Is it really? I think, <laughs> are you probably going to say Kyle Hamilton? But I'm. I'm going Absolutely with not. Him. There's I'm going no with Lind- way he would Lind- say Kyle Hamilton. <laughs> I'm going with Linderbaum. I'm sorry. I think he's a perfect fit for this scheme. I think he's going to help Zach. I think he's going to help that offense run the ball. I think he's okay. going to do exactly what we need. And, and that's helped make Zag better. And I think that- Which is the up. mission. That is the mission. <laughs> well, I'm, I kind of was scratching my head because I'm starting to think about the whole Kyle Hamilton situation and, and just you know, how much a really good safety could potentially change this defense. So it took me a second to get there, but you know I'm a Lindy fan, so I'm going to take him at 10. I just feel like we don't, need to take, we don't need to take him at 10. I think that was the biggest you know, reason why it took me a little while to get there.
1: But yeah, yeah I got to go at Lindy. So I'll tell you, I'm insulted that you said I would pick Kyle Hamilton. It's almost like you don't know me at all. (laughs) So here's my my argument for taking Linderbaum is that I think the gap from Linderbaum to, and you guys have heard me preach this theory, the the gap from Linderbaum to the next center is bigger than the gap from Hamilton to the next safety. And so in turn, if I can get, an all pro, a future all pro center. And I think that that is what, not pro bowler, because, you know, Meeks is in a fantasy league with me. He knows we don't count pro bowls over here. All pros. Mac
2: Jones made the pro bowl. We don't count. Exactly.
1: Mac Jones made the pro. Bowl. We don't count those. But Tyler Lindebaum has all pro potential at center. And I think so much has to go right for Kyle Hamilton to be an all pro safety that I'd be worried about taking him when, like, and, and I used this stat when I was talking to somebody on Twitter. And again, you can love or hate pro football focus. I like their stats. I think they do a really good job of collecting stats, but they ranked the 32 best safeties before the season. Out of those 32, 25 of them were taken in day two, day three are undrafted. That's it. So I, there's no reason for me to sit here and be like, yeah, man, I'm going to take Kyle Hamilton at 10. Because to Meeks' point about Tyler Linderbaum, right? If I take Kyle Hamilton at 10, he is automatically the 5th or 6th highest paid safety in the league and I have to live with that. And and if the turnovers don't come, what does he offer me? What does he offer my defense if the turnovers don't come? Megs, I'll go to you and then James. If, if Jets on the on the clock at 10, Linderbaum and Hamilton, who are you taking?
2: I mean, this is just a doomsday <laughs> scenario, but um I would pick Linderbaum solely because he helps Zach and that's it. Like yeah, also I love this safety class like yeah. even after Hamilton. So yeah. like much rather we take one of those guys. So
1: what safety would you take me? I, I, Cause I'm uh, on
2: day two. I'm real. me and Joe are, we and Joe are in lockstep on this. I think it's Dax Hill.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Big Dax Hill guys.
1: lock corner versatility can cover, yep. can hit <laughs> yeah. great athlete. Yeah.
2: Him and seen
1: uh, from Georgia. I'm, I'm down yeah. with either of those guys and high character to quote Joe Bellick, high character James. How about you at 10 sitting on the board, Linderbaum Hamilton, who are you taking? Damn. I think I'm going to disappoint here. Oh,
3: I I think I mean look it's like choosing between like do I want to drink poison or eat poison? <laughs> but I think I would take Hamilton to be honest. Okay. Like I guess what I would say is like is Linderbau is he that big of like a upgrade over Connor McGovern? Like not
0: really. Like, I mean, are you serious, James? <laughs> Dude, this are you serious? <laughs> He's a huge upgrade. I mean, like, leave it to you to go left on this and be like, is he a big upgrade over McDonald's? The same, okay, but the same people. It's astronomical.
3: Think, okay. Yeah, Joe. The same people who think um, Linderbaum would be like a big upgrade over somebody who's league average right now are the same people saying like Elijah Vera Tucker's an all pro. Like, that's the, like, that type of stuff is, like, the biggest cap, like, I've ever seen in my entire life. Why? Am I saying Elijah Barrett Tucker's an all-pro? No, but, like, that's because what I believe thinks. Because
0: I do believe that Linderbaum is an upgrade over McGovern. McGovern is one of the least... I, I hate saying it like this, but as far as what's going on upstairs, like, he yeah, Joe, doesn't really you have won't. a good understanding of what's going on in the field. He's not the guy you want with your young quarterback. I'm sorry to tell you. Linderbaum has a much better grasp of setting protections and, and just understanding what the defense is doing. And he'd be... A, like I said, an astronomical exponential upgrade over Conor McGovern. And I think that's why the Jets are going to be in the center market for somebody like Ryan Jensen, because they understand what it means to have a center in this kind of scheme. I think that's what people are kind of failing to understand, like what a center means specifically for an outside zone and also specifically for a young quarterback. And that's why I think the Jets are going after somebody like Ryan Jensen. That's why when you look at Kyle Shanahan, that's why he brought in Weston Richburg. When you look at Kyle Shanahan, that's why he brought in Alex Mack this year, because outside zone is or center is a lot is an important position anyway but when you're looking at outside zone you, you can argue that obviously left tackle and after your left tackle your center is the most important position on that offensive line and i feel like if they get say somebody like james daniels in free agency and now Connor mcgovern looks to be the weak link on that chain i feel like the worst place you want a weak link on your chain when you run outside zone is at the center position so if they could get rid of him and bring in somebody like Ryan Jensen, that would be huge. And if they could bring in somebody like Linderbaum, that would be amazing. I would, I would love that. And like, I can't believe I actually hesitated between Linderbaum and Hamilton, but the fact is I do have Hamilton ranked higher and I just was trying to like, kind of make sense of that. But I also love what you said, DA, the safety class is just way deeper. Very good. And like, I mean, how many elite centers are in the league? Like maybe one, maybe two. So if yeah. you could get one in an outside zone scheme with a young quarterback,
1: dude, let's do it. Yeah. And yeah. I think. I mean. I, I think the. Go ahead, James. Go ahead.
3: Yeah. Can I say something outrageous right now, or do you want to do you want to say something before I like kind of? change? No, no, no.
1: I want you to go. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, light it on, Light it on fire. Right, go ahead. All right, all right. <laughs> Is
3: Quinnen Williams that much better than Devontae Wyatt right now?
2: No. Uh, like. I mean, I mean, James. I want you to know they are the
3: same age. <laughs> You don't get to talk. You like Jaquan Brisker.
1: That dude's okay. (laughs) Jaquan Brisker is very close to collecting AARP checks, is what James is saying. I mean, yeah, (laughs)
2: Devontae Wyatt's going to be a nice 24 on draft day. So, uh, that's wild. That's wild. That's a nice Mike McCagden special. Uh, well, Javante Wyatt's not even the best defensive uh, lineman on his team. So, no, he's actually the third.
1: Woo, Meeks. Let's go to the – so let's go to that side of yeah, the Yeah, Jordan ball.
2: Davis is better than Devontae Wyatt, James and so is, is uh, Carter, and,
1: too. This is James just – and granted, I don't think the Jets are going to take uh, <laughs> an interior defensive line. <laughs> but let's talk about the interior defensive line just in case, you know, fans get their wish and we cut Sheldon Rankins and we need another, you know, D tackle or whatever. So – who is the best interior defensive lineman in this class? Meigs, I'll start with you. It's Jordan Davis. It's like, dude, he's literally
2: Galactus. Like, he's 6'8". He moves like a jungle cat. His, his athletic testing is ridiculous. Everyone keeps talking about his snap counts right? he's a two-down player. Did you see the Georgia defense? Do you see how deep they are? The whole reason he didn't play 35-40 snaps a game is because that team is maybe the best defense I've seen and probably best defense since the early two thousands Miami defenses. They have studs all over the board. They keep them fresh. They rotate them. Why? Because they could, not because he can't play. He's awesome, Jordan Davis. If he get if Jordan Davis doesn't go in the top fifteen, it's a mistake. That guy's gonna be a stud. And and
1: understand Meeks saying that he was also right about Christian Barmore, which I I know I know yeah. Trust (laughs) me, yeah.
2: Also, (laughs) Da, just a little tip for you. This year's Christian Barmore, UConn's Travis Jones.
1: Yes, Meeks. Yes, yes, yes. I think to Beek's point about, you know, him rotating snaps and understand Georgia did that because their defense was good. It's not like Quentin Williams rotating snaps where it's just, you know, because he's not that good. James, who's the best interior defensive lineman in this class?
3: Look, I think it's probably Jordan Davis. I've kind of come full circle on this, but I will say like Jordan Davis, not very comparable to Quentin. Fonte Wyatt, however, is. And I think he's a really good player. And I I don't know. I don't know.
0: Joe. I hate that take. Listen, I was kind of leaning towards Devontae Wyatt as well. Hmm. I think he's like a really, I think he could be a really special three technique in a league. I like the way he uses his hands. I like his pursuit towards a quarterback. But man, after seeing Jordan Davis do that at the combine, I was like, oh my God, this is unreal. This is insane. And I'm starting to agree with Meeks that you know, maybe he was just a two down player because of how deep they were mm-hmm. at the same time. It's like, I don't, I don't know how he's going to be used. I, I, I feel like if the jets had like the old school Rex three, four, he's just a, a perfect person to play that Chris Jenkins role and just absolutely demolish people. Right
1: right in the middle of the formation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, Jordan
2: Davis, you can build your run defense around Jordan Davis. You just need him and you're going to have a good run defense. What if, just wait, like what if,
3: what if we traded Quinnen for like a few, for some picks Drafted Jordan Davis. You want to go the
0: 49ers route, where they traded yeah. the Forest Buckner and they drafted Javon Kinlaw. Yeah, right? but That's
2: yeah what dude, someone's gonna give us thirteen overall for Quinn, and I'll take it today. You know what's oh, yeah.
0: hysterical, James! You just said run defense doesn't matter, and now you want to build like a defensive <laughs> line around like a run defense. All, right, all right, all right. Here's the thing. Here's the thing.
3: I'm not sure. Travon Walker, he had this one sexy rep against Michigan where it looked like it was a teach tape from like a drill video. But Jordan Davis is like actually insane, yeah. like on a different
1: level. Yeah, I think there is definitely a difference. Jordan Davis is a baller, man. I think, I think, I think Walker a lot right now is a lot of projection. Like it's, it's a lot of like, well, if everything goes right, this is where he could be, right? And you know, Meeks, who used the. I think if you, uh, we were talking in the Slack, and Meeks had said, you know, he kind of it was you that used Jadavion Clowney as like a like a reference point. Um, I. <laughs> I think Joe, you said it. I wouldn't take Javion Clowney at four right now. So like for me, I'm just like, mm. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. That's rich, but but Davis, I, his combine man was just for a man his size to run like a you know like a tight end out there. Like I think I even tweeted. I was like, Yo, put him at running back. Who's gonna stop him? Just put him at running back. Um, it's it's a really good interior defensive line class, which is great because the Jets don't need one right now. But to me's point, listen, man the Bengals could call today and offer 31 for Quinnen Williams. And I do that. <laughs> like, let's just, move, let's just wrap this up, move this on. Like, you know, because I think he, the thing, we're nearing Leonard Williams territory with Quinnen, and not in terms of production, but in terms of like, well, if he just gets this, he's going to be better. If he just gets this, he's going to be better. And I get really tired of hearing that. Like, I'm, I'm I'm a year away from getting tired of hearing that about Zach, to be honest. Like, oh, well, you know, if, if we just get him five all pros up front, he's going to be functional as a starter. I'm like, listen, man, like at some point you... Come on, we gotta make this work, Meeks. I see your face. I get. I think you want to say something about that.
2: Uh, yeah. I'm just gonna. I'm leaving my Zach Wilson takes alone for tonight. You know, I just we're gonna get the receivers. We we'll get the offensive linemen. Zach's gonna be fine. But yeah. you know, Joe said this last week. I agreed with him that they picked up the fifth year option on Quinnen because mm-hmm. having Quinnen at, on basically like a two year, fifty million dollar deal is good business, and he's definitely worth the contract over that two years. But he's gonna need a big step up and play to warrant. Any extension going further than that. But uh Joe, I know you got some I know, I know you've been you you've been percolating over there. I know you gotta take for us. I know. Come on, give it to me. I mean, not really. You guys kind of took it.
0: It was about Trayvon Walker.
2: You know? <laughs> oh, did you just say on I,
0: I feel like Trayvon Walker right now, a lot of people are projecting him potentially to the Jets at three four. I or three like, to Houston? <laughs> well, I, I feel like that's borderline disgusting. Like, I'm sorry, you know, like. Yeah, he blew up the combine, but I feel like that has like bust ridden all over it. I don't care what he met when it came to like the metrics. And I, and I do value the metrics. I mean, there's some benchmarks that definitely correlate to success. I, I completely get that, you know? So, and I know James had mentioned the, the RAS and, and, and listen, you, it's hard not to notice that at the same time. And I think you mentioned it in the Slack, DA, that I think we need to find a player right now who's a little bit safer. I don't think the Jets should be spending a top five pick on a player with so much, kind of question marks. I mean, he he has literally like no pass rush plan. Now I do think he uses his length very well, like really well. And I think that there, you know, is potential there to develop into a, a better prospect. There's no question about it. But you can't take him top five. I mean I feel bad. You know, I know some of our listeners really like him. Most specifically uh, one of our listeners, Michael Christopher's DM me a couple of times about Trayvon Walker. But dude, I, I think it would just be a bad move. Now if he turns out to be a great player, awesome. You know, he could be a great player for somebody else. Okay. We need to go a little safer with that pick for sure.
1: Joe said, love, don't live here anymore. That's what Joe just said for, for all our listeners. <laughs> love don't live here anymore. Guys, let's, let's go to wide receiver. Okay. Um, James, I'm going to start with you. Who is the perfect wide receiver for Zach Wilson in this class? The guy that you, you, if you know, listen, man, if I draft him, Zach's going to be all right. Who's the guy for you? Mm. I mean, it's tough to
3: separate out how I rank them from, mm-hmm. like, more of a stylistic thing for Zach. Yep. But if I were going for more of that stylistic fit, I would probably say, like, Drake London. Um, or I know, like, you could argue – I know Joe is, like, rejoicing in the background, throwing up his hands like he's at church. No, I mean – I could see Burks too, but obviously it hasn't been a very good week for Burks where he was like benching, uh, I think, like half of the reps that Will Parkinson can do. Um, not exactly the strongest showing after he's been training for like three months. Yeah, but I would say Drake London. I mean, the contested catch is there, the yak is there, and he's super young too. So,
1: yeah. Joe, I'm going to go to you because I think you're going to say Drake, and then I'm going to go to Meigs. I feel like we are in church.
0: Preach, James. <laughs> preach. It's a beautiful thing. I think when you look at this offense, You have to find players that also fit Zach Wilson, right? The 49ers offense likes to attack the middle of the field, but Zach is a guy who really likes to throw outside. Who's better at catching those outside balls than Drake London in this draft? Nobody. But Drake also has that ability to be a big slot, catch the ball over the middle of the field, and get you that yak as well. There really isn't a better prospect when it comes to Zach Wilson than Drake London. I mean, it's just a fact. Thank you, James. I appreciate you. Meigs. It's, 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 it's like,
2: we, we, we don't have to keep doing this. We literally are New York Jets fans. We're in a division where the Buffalo Bills built an entire receiving core about of guys who are the best trait is how much separation they get. So their inaccurate quarterback could get better at accuracy because of all the separation that they created gives them a bigger window than a wide receiver who's great at contested catches and making that play with his above, the, like above the rim skills, like I've seen that, it doesn't work. If Baltimore took that approach, Lamar would be doing much better because they got too many guys trying to be jump ball guys, not enough guys to create enough separation. It, it, like this answer is, easy. it's Garrett Wilson. It's always Garrett Wilson. He's the best receiver in the draft. If they get him, Zach Wilson might actually be good. This is big.
0: Him and Elijah Moore. Ooh, ooh, Meeks. Jets, Jets Meeks. will actually be fun to watch. All right, Meeks. We've talked about this, right? Yeah. Drake London plays at USC. He's playing with a quarterback who loves the yellow ball. If you're watching the actual film, he's going against press. You see him stacking quarterbacks. You see him getting that extra step. His quarterback just, he puts him in those positions. There's no question about it. And as far as separation, I don't know if you watched him on these slants or on these short to intermediate routes. Dude gets plenty of separation. He is a, a nasty and underrated route runner. So I think you're kind of like underselling him a bit when, as far as the separation goes, because he yeah, definitely knows where I I and when think. to run and turn. And he's a dynamic player. Like, yeah. I, I would have liked to see him run the 40 I, I just to see it. But yeah. if he ran in the four fives, which I, I believe he will, that's yeah. good enough, man. He's going to run four, at, six, too. are does bother me about Drake favorite, London.
2: What's up? He's going to run four, six, too. That doesn't bother me about Drake London. My point is that the best receiver for Zach is the one who consistently gets open the most. And the reason I picked Garrett Wilson is because I believe that to be Garrett Wilson.
1: Yeah. I I'm with meigs on this. I think I, I think you want to get, we're talking about like, you want to get a safer prospect. Right. And I think Garrett Wilson will come off the street and go for a thousand yards next year, like right out of the gate. Um, I think, I think that when we, the two picks, the four, four and 10 or wherever they end up picking, it's not for swings with, for guys that, You have to worry about the scheme they're in. And I I worry more about Drake London if he doesn't end up in a good scheme. Whereas, like, I think Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, I think I can take them and put them anywhere, 32 teams. And I think they're going to produce. London isn't that surefire guy for me, but I do like London's game. I think where London helps Zach, to your point, Joe, is the contested catches where Zach decides to put, throw up these ambulance balls, right? And get his receivers killed in the middle of the damn field, right? But Garrett Wilson... Listen, you want to make a quarterback's job easier? Get the guy that's going to get open in the middle of the damn field. And Zach's going to hit him every time. And that's Gary Wilson. I'm not, I don't, I don't think, I think with Drake London, Drake London, here's, and Meeks mentioned Baltimore. I think Baltimore's a really good situation because Baltimore for a long time was getting Lamar these short guys, right? Like just like really little receivers, right? Who, you know, like struggled to create separation on their own, but had speed or whatever. And then they go and get him Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman led the Ravens in first downs. For their receivers. And he didn't play until what week seven, week eight. And led the Ravens in first downs for receivers because he's a big target that Lamar could find, right? So to that point, I see your point about getting Zach or Drake London when you already have a mismatch nightmare in Elijah Moore, who's a really good route runner. Corey Davis, who again, I know he had a crappy year, but Corey Davis is still a pretty good route runner. So I get that. But I think Garrett Wilson, because Garrett Wilson <clears throat> attacks the gate, attacks the field vertically gets open consistently, and he's safe. I I, I want to get Zach a guy that's safe. I don't want to get a guy that I have to worry about, like, man, I got to manufacture touches for you because you can't get open in the next at, at the next level.
0: Yeah, I will agree with that, yeah I. I think that Garrett yeah. is a safer prospect, yeah. but I also feel like people really aren't dissecting his game like they are Drake London's. Like, hmm. Garrett Wilson does have some issues against press. He hmm. also has some issues sometimes with catching the ball. He's not really a perfect prospect. Now, I do love him. He is my 1B to Drake London being the 1A, and – I mean, he was my wide receiver one for the longest time. I just kind of fell in love with Drake London's tape. But I do think that Drake has more, you know, potential to bust. I, I will agree with that. Yeah. But as far yeah. as like a
1: fit and like what Zach is good at right now, I still think it's Drake London for sure. I will also say, I know he hasn't had the best week before I go to you, but Traylon Burks is still a guy that I would take, man, because the tape is good. The tape is good. I know I know the reps weren't as much as Will Parkinson's. Right. But for those of you that do not know, Will is also 25 in the best shape of his life. He just got engaged. He de- needs to be benching in the way that he benches. Right. So shout out to Will. Um, and I again, like but I always worry. And we've talked about this before, like again, with Trayvon Walker dudes that shoot up boards like that always worry me i tend to go back to the film uh Meigs, i think there's a perfect segue to your hot take that you said you were going to draft about the combine but you wanted to say something about the wide receivers first well
2: yeah you know i kind of got two takes that i'm gonna get off tonight so i'll start with but the first one this the combine that these combine warriors like drake london's pipe drake london's thing i, I think what really hurt him the most and my really my biggest issue we're about concern about him is just about staying healthy because Drake London was awesome for eight games, but then he broke his ankle. And that's an injury that I think he's – this isn't like a Liz Frank or anything. I think it's going to be fine. He's going to run it as pro day. But that's a serious thing that I worry about because we've seen those bigger receivers struggle with foot injuries, with staying healthy because, you know, bigger they are, the harder they fall. But there's a combine guy that just keeps getting all this hype that people are like, I don't know how he gets out of the first round. And it, it's Christian Watson. I don't I, I don't get it. He went to the senior bowl, you know, every single guy that plays in the FCS or plays in division two, who goes to the senior bowl, everyone's question is, oh, can they, can they, you know, can they hack it with the top guys? And Christian Watson was making plays in the one-on-ones, which is, football's not played seven on seven. It's not played one-on-ones, but 11 on 11 in pads. And this reminds me so much of this Denzel Mims senior bowl rise. Like great combine, sweet athlete, big body, fluid mover, and like I watched Denzel Mims at Baylor, he didn't look like a guy who ran four three eight. He didn't look like a guy who ran six 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 in the three cone. I believe he had, I believe that's what his three cone was. And Christian Watson gives me those same vibes. Everyone keeps ta- everyone on Jets Twitter always says, wait till the second round. It's a deep wide receiver class. You know, you can take like, he's like the hot trendy name to take it 35. The Jets take him. I think it's a massive
1: mistake. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Let's go to corner on the other side. Um, Joe, I'm going to start with you because this has been also a, a contentious conversation in the Slack. Um, I will tell you, Derek Stingley is still my cornerback one. Um, and I don't care what any of you say. <laughs> uh, cornerback two for me is Trent McDuffie. Shout out to my guy Meeks. We've been on this train for four months now, baby. Um, but Joe, I know you disagree. Who, who, how are you breaking Meeks's heart by naming your cornerback two? Well, Derek Stingley is my CB1-2
0: Dalvin. I think he's the most talented cornerback in the draft. Hands down, there isn't a more talented player. And I don't even think that's disputable. But yeah, I had Trent McDuffie as CB2 as well. And I feel like it's all about the film, right? More than it is about the metrics. But there are some things, and like I mentioned earlier, that do correlate to success. And one of them happens to be arm length. And Trent McDuffie has like 29-inch arms. And I'm sorry, but he's got a little T-Rex in him. And that's giving me some reservations. You know, Audemars Gardner checks all the boxes when it comes to these kind of metrics, all those things that tell you that this guy could be a pro bowler. And I'm starting to just have some some worries about my guy, Trent. Now, he's a fantastic football player, and I think he could play in multiple schemes. But I think Gardner is a little bit more scheme versatile and just has those measurables that just make you feel more comfortable about selecting him at a higher pick. And that's why I had to slide him into CB2. Nothing really against Trent. I'm sorry I said he had T-Rex arms, but point is like he does he's got alligator arms like you know he's probably not paying the check when you go out to dinner i mean that's the bottom line means we're, we're
1: just quartering.
2: i mean i mean t-rex is like the strongest dinosaur if you remember correctly joe so i took that as a compliment <laughs> all right well he's still got little arms so. fair enough fair. i mean Trevor mcduffie has got the most sound like honestly if all things were cons- if if i didn't make this mistake last year and looked over Caleb Farley's injuries and looked over that back injury and then the torn ACL and then he tore his ACL again in his rookie year. Um, I would probably have Derek Stingley CB1, but Derek Stingley has a Liz Frank injury. A foot injury for a cornerback is a big deal. Like there's no beating around the bush. Derek Stingley has struggled to stay on the field for now two straight years. His 2019 film is better than any cornerback in this class by a country mile. There's nothing better. Those who try to say Derek Stingley wasn't dominant his freshman year, like, go watch that uh, national championship game because he took away an entire side of the field. Wasn't close. Elite ball skills, elite athlete. it reminds me a lot of Marshawn Lattimore, Lattimore, who had his own injury concerns coming out of Ohio State. A lot of people have been stealing my comp to snow. DA knows. I said that first. That was like in November. But I love Trey McDuffie. I just think he's just safer in that mind. I think he's going to be a really good football player, and that's why I have him CB1. Sauce so is CB3. Like, these are all really good players, to be honest. The Jets scanning them at 10. I wouldn't have any issues with it.
0: Meeks, do you remember when you thought Kyrie Elam was better than Sauce? And he's I had not. To... It's, it's
2: not. Dude, Ky- I... Kyrie Elam's on the cool throne, Joe. You ran that 4-3-9, you know? You remember when I, do you remember when
0: I bodied you on that episode? You're, yeah, you're...
2: Joe, yeah. I was trying to be nice to you that day, all right? I don't know. <laughs> you were telling me how down you were before the episode. I was trying to let you have that one, but you won't let oh. it go. I'm just so, glad so, that you
0: kind of came to your senses and put curium at CB five. Mean, think CB four. They're not that far apart. Well, I thought you had it on CB five, but I think that's I think I haven't seen before. I got. That's a DJ's
1: five Pretty sure I think I have them four. Then booth is five. As long as, oh booth booth is five. So perfect segue. Perfect segue. Yeah, James. James, get your <laughs> booth takes off. Yeah,
3: facts. I, I was just spending the last like 30 seconds figuring out how, how like contrarian I want to be. Um, <laughs> look, I think Singly's good. Andrew Booth is my number two cornerback in this class. The only cornerback with elite, with an elite ability in this class, the only cornerback, and that's his ball skills. Like dude is insane when the ball's in the air, better than Stingley, better than Gardner, better than McDuffie, who I don't even get any of the hype behind at all. You know, I'm sure he'll, he'll make a nice CB two. Um, Andrew Booth is the one who's going to be the elite player in the NFL. Like, I I feel so confident you can just take that to the bank. Talk to me in four years when he's a first-team all-pro with, like, 10 picks.
1: James said, I'll tell you where to send the check. That's what James just said. I'll tell you where to send the check.
0: Go ahead, Joe. You said that he had better bowl skills than Stingley. I remember a time when you said that Stingley could have had, like, 24 interceptions his freshman year. Yeah, he (laughs) dropped so
3: much stuff. Because he doesn't have Andrew Booth's hands, Joe.
0: Okay, all right.
2: There all is right. no there is no one, trust me, there is no one who has better ball skills than Andrew Booth who had like nine pass deflections in three years at Clemson, just <laughs> just so you know. Man loves getting his hand on the ball. God, it's like J.C. Horn all over again. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> yeah, D.A., you're not ready for that everyone thinks J.C. Horn's good because Corey Davis cooked him, he played the Saints, and then he broke his foot, and people act like that was a good rookie
0: season.
1: You're not ready for that, take. I, I mean I would agree with that take
0: <laughs> I would agree with that. But I think we all bit. know I think we all know that I'm the only one here who had Patrick Sertana C B one. So we'll just, you know, we can maybe move on from that conversation.
1: <laughs> that's that's fair, but you are also the only one that has Drake London as wide receiver. One and, and that's gonna age really, really poorly, Joe. That's gonna oh, age. We'll, see. So we'll bad. see. We'll see.
0: We'll see. <laughs> I think your uh, Traylon Burks as wide receiver one might age a little worse well, than that so,
1: one. So no, so so you'll see in my in my new boy that Chris Olave is wide receiver one. You'll see that Olave. Oh, I, re- I respect. Yeah, yeah, I respect yeah, yeah. That. Olave is wide receiver one. Yeah, I just I like again I don't care so much about the combine, but listen, the stuff that's been coming out about Traylon about like his work ethic and like how he didn't prepare for the combine that has me worried. Like that, I'm like, all right, man, like. You can't have me looking bad out here in these Twitter streets like that. I can't be doing that. I want to get the hottest take from you guys leading into the draft. Just like a take that you know, listen, you plant your flag on it today. When we are back together in three years, we are drinking whiskey and tequila and gin and everything that Joe has in his liquor cabinet. And we are coming together saying, Look, guys, this is where we were right. Joe, I'm gonna start with you because I know I know you have I know you have something that you're like, listen. I feel great about this. Go ahead.
0: You're totally incorrect about that because I have nothing right now. So <laughs> let me let me think about something. Let's pass it to let's pass it to James. I feel like James is definitely James, James is going to come on here with some hot takes.
3: <laughs> I do. I don't think it's going to be super controversial though. So Jermaine Johnson is going to be the Brian Burns of this year's draft. Meaning, meaning, meaning. Stylistically, they're very different. But edge rusher heavy draft where everybody's like. This dude's really good. Like, he he pretty much can do everything. Like, why isn't he a top five pick? And then, like, fast forward, like, he's actually good. So,
1: Brian Burns is the the best head rusher in that damn class. He's the best damn head rusher in that
3: class. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
2: Second.
1: All right, anyways, this is Nick Bosa on this podcast.
2: Don't you disrespect Nick Bosa (laughs) on (laughs) this.
0: This is why I love James, because James always seems to just like do a 180 or come full circle, whatever you want to call it. I remember in the Slack specifically him mentioning how he thinks Jermaine Johnson is bad, but Joe likes him. And then I think D.A., you were like, yeah, I got him ranked 90th. And I'm like, no, he's like really good. And then I mentioned somebody, Sam Williams. I'm like, Sam Williams has some potential, too. He's like one of the only guys that body Charles Cross. He gave Kenyon Green some fits. Yeah, he did. And, and James I like comes says, too. That guy sucks. Out. So I'm glad, James. Hopefully, you're going to get on the Sam Williams train. I think he's got some uh, some baggage <laughs> that needs to be addressed. But I do appreciate the Jermaine Johnson take, and I actually have one of my own. A lot of people had Kenyon Green as their IOL or their offensive guard one for a very long time, and my I Kenyon. was on that Zion Johnson train, man. I said he was OG one from the very <laughs> beginning, and he absolutely crushed the combine, checked every single box, and when it's all said and done, he will be the best guard in this draft. And I feel like Kenyon Green, I hate to say it, but I think he's going to slip to the second round, my friend. I think maybe, maybe that's a hot take. I'm not sure, but didn't look Kenyon Greenish at the combine. In fact, I was like, who is this man? This isn't the guy I saw on film. And I think that's going to really kind of rub some teams the wrong way. And unfortunately I think that it's going to cost him in his pocket for sure. Um, I
2: just want to say one thing about Kenyon Green. Um, I, I saw his measurements mm-hmm. and he's got over 34 inch arms. Why is Kenyon Green not getting tackle hype? Especially with a versatility standpoint, because that and dude's better than Trevor and Penning, and he's way better than Bernard Raymond, who's like 28. Hands down. And and <laughs> I would other. much rather try Kenyon
0: Green a tackle before taking one of these guys in the first round. But you know, when know. you when you watch Kenyon Green a tackle, he's very raw. He specifically is susceptible to guys who have really good pass rush moves, especially when, say, for instance, they're trying to bull rush him, he always tries to meet power with power. And what happens is they end up splashing him to the ground. And all the film that I've watched him at tackle, just savvy guys just know how to set him up. And I feel like that's probably a reason why they kind of move him inside. And they said, well, you're kind of better in this position. And I think that is probably the reason why he's not like a permanent tackle even in college, because he definitely has those moments. But maybe you could be right. This guy's played all over the offensive line. I mean, I think I would, maybe that even hindered him. That could have prevented him from even excelling exactly. at one particular position. So could, I can still see be- him being good, but Zion Johnson is greater yeah, you know, no, I don't. That's I, don't
2: I, I don't disagree with that at all. I love Zion, but uh, no, my you know the spicy spicy takes. I mean, I was just gonna make a joke about the quarterback class because they all do sucks. Rda, I know you're a big, <laughs> big Malik guy, but uh, the, I'm just gonna come out and say this: Devin Lloyd is gonna be the best defensive player in this draft in three years. That's my hot take. It's spicy. Does part of me believe it? Yes. But I just think Devin Lloyd, everyone's souring on him because of his 40 time. I think he's the next wave of these coverage linebackers who does everything well. And he's going to be a fantastic football player from the jump.
0: I, you know what? I actually have a hot take here that I want to share. And I think I'm going to forget it if I don't say it right now. This oh, might be spicy. Obviously, we're not in the quarterback market. I feel like James might like this one. But there is a new QB1 in, in town. His name is Carson Strong. When you look at quarterbacking, And I've watched a little bit more of Carson Strong recently. The two most important things are decision-making and accuracy. Mm -hmm. Nobody is a better decision-maker and nobody is a a more accurate quarterback in those particular situations than Carson Strong. He is QB1 in this draft. That said, all the quarterbacks in this draft suck, right? Mm -hmm. And nobody should be getting drafted in the first round. Nobody should be getting, the earliest a quarterback should be selected in this
1: draft is round two. And I firmly believe that. So I you like I, you know what I have figured out about your quarterbacks, Joe. You have a type, man. Because you like Mac Jones last year too. You have a type <laughs> quarterback. I also like Justin Field, right? So I do have a type. You have a type. You have a type. But also, I mean, again, none of them were good last year. None of them were good last year. They did not play well at all. But I so I'm gonna get because this is the first time that I'm back with you guys in seven months. I'm gonna give you three takes because there's three of you. One, it's the, I, I, I'm going to drop the Malik Willis take here, and I, he he's going. He's the only quarterback, the, the only quarterback that I think should even be remotely talked about going in round one. And I'm with you, Joe. I wouldn't take any of them in round one, but he's the only one because because the. And again, I feel like I'm, ta- I feel like I'm talking about like Zach Wilson and Justin Fields and even Trevor Lawrence with the off, you know, off platform throwing and the athleticism and all that stuff. But I think Malik Willis represents that new age, that new age of the NFL quarterback. And he goes to a situation like, you know, Detroit, where he can sit behind golf for a year or Atlanta, where he can sit behind Ryan for a year. I think he's, I think he's going to be good. Um, so, and I feel very good about that. Okay. And as James so likes to remind people, I nailed the Lamar Jackson pick. So, so trust, so trust that. So trust that. Number two, safety one in this in this class is Daxton Hill, not Kyle Hamilton. Please understand that. okay? the best safety comes out of Michigan, not Notre Dame He's the best safety in this class. And that's why I have a very real issue when I hear folks talking about taking Kyle Hamilton at four. That bugs me, man. (laughs) That bugs me, because when you look at a guy like Dax Hill or Petray and then Kyle Hamilton, And Meeks, you're a guy from Georgia, right? LC, right? There are a lot of really good, really good, Veron McKinley III from Oregon, a lot of really good safeties in this class. Joe, you can shrug, you can do that all you want. There's a lot of really good safeties in this class. And I think we're going to look back in three years and realize that Kyle Hamilton was not generational. He was not Ed Reed. He was not Troy Palamalu. He was not that guy that folks were lifting up for. And it reminds me a lot of, you know, we were having this conversation last year when we were leading up to the draft and folks just can't say a prospect is good. You have to say that he is Quentin Nelson for Elijah Vera Tucker. You have to say that he is Antonio Brown for Elijah Moore. You have to say all these, like these super, these, these insane super takes to try to justify like where a guy was taken. Like, Listen, man, Elijah Moore is probably going to be Brandon cooks. You know what Brandon cooks has done the last nine years, nine straight thousand yard season. That's what, that's what Brandon cooks has done or seven straight thousand yard season. So I think, I think Dax Hill is going to be the guy that he's the best safety in this class. And I think he's going to, you're going to see that in three years and third, I love your take, Joe, about you know Jermaine Johnson, right? Right, that that was yours. Like he's going to be the best defensive player in this class, right? Is that is that what you said? I think it was that was James. James, that was yours. I like that take. I don't hate that take. Although I did have him at ninety in September, Joe. <laughs> I did have him break ninety in September. But I'm I'm going to say we're going to be talking about Kayvon Thibodeau as a guy, and the comp that I had and Meeks. You remember your comp for KT? You remember what the comp was that you had? Yeah. What was it? Chandler. Chandler Jones, right? We're talking about a guy who now 33 years at 33 years of age is still sacking quarterbacks. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is, has the potential to be that good. And I think he's a guy that racks up at least two defensive player of the year awards in the next five years. I think he's that good. Um, and I think he's going to be that good. And when he lands in New York with the Jets opposite Carl Lawson, I think that's what you're going to see. So those are my three hottest takes. Two on the defensive side of the ball. You get one from Malik Willis because again, black quarterbacks get the short end of the stick. Not with me, baby. <laughs> Not with me. Also, I got to say, To the Jets fan who said we should draft Malik Willis at 10 and use him as Taysom Hill, I hated every second of that argument. Every second of that argument. I have now muted you to oblivion. I will never talk to you again. (laughs) All right. Final words, guys. At 4 and 10, when we're at the draft, pick 4 and pick 10. If we are staying there, who do the Jets take? Joe, I start with you. I'm going Aquanu, and I'm going Drake London. (laughs) Whew. Big Icky, who, if you remember, I had him as OT1 in September, and Meeks had the nerve to ask me what Evan Neal did to me to be for me to rank him fifth. Go ahead, Meeks.
2: Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> now Evan Neal's OT3. <laughs> <laughs> but Charles Cross is OT1. Don't you forget it.
1: Hey, new to Brigashaw Ferguson. I love Charles Cross, man.
2: Ahead, uh, yeah, me. for me, 4 and 10. It's what I say every week. I'll say it. It's KT at 4, Garrett Wilson at 10. Send it in.
1: That's it. Run it to the podium, James. Who you got four and ten? In KTF four and trade down at ten. James said there will be no pick at ten tonight. Yeah. I Wait, hold on a second, James. Pick a player, man. Come on, bro. <laughs> James is
0: loyal to <laughs> the like, study, study <laughs> I want to trade down at ten too, but I still took Drake London. Like, come on. If you're t- if you're picking a player, who is it? Uh, I would say,
1: I would say like uh, Garrett Wilson. All right. I like it. I I too think they're going to trade back from 10, just an FYI. I don't think they make the pick, but in the spirit of me being back for this, for this episode of draft season, I will give you, I think at four, I think it is KT. I think, I, I think, I do not think there is a, a snowball's chance in hell of Robert Sala and Joe Douglas passing on, adding another edge rusher. Um, and I also do believe Joe, I think, I think the Jets walk out of free agency with Ryan Jensen and James Daniels. I think that they fortify that interior offensive line. And I think that's why they don't take, they don't take an offensive lineman at four and at 10, I don't think it's a corner. I'm, I'm with you Meeks. It's Garrett Wilson. I think it's, yes, I think same. it's game and Garrett Wilson. I think that, the Jets, I think the theme of this offseason is gonna to be to get Zach Wilson help. If you added Ryan Jensen and James Daniels to this offensive line, I think this goes from a, a line that with a healthy Makai Becton could be, you know, 13, 14, maybe in the league. You add Jensen and Daniels. You're talking about a line that really does have if everything, if everybody's healthy, you're looking at you're looking at top eight, top seven potential. That's a really good offensive line on paper. And they're gonna to want to give Zach every chance to see you add Garrett Wilson to Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. That is a really good young trio. That's a really good young trio. If they address free
0: agency, like you said, would say Jensen and J- Daniels, mm-hmm. then I would most certainly want them to go cave on Thibodeau on that spot. I completely, yeah. I completely agree with that.
1: Yeah, but because if they if don't...
0: They, if, they took Garrett, <laughs> if they
1: took Garrett Wilson at 10 over Drake London, I'd be perfectly fine with that too. I, I love Garrett Wilson. Oh man, Joe, that was the perfect time in my return for you to say, Joe Douglas would be dead to you. That was it. That was the, the <laughs> runway for you to I say. Was the <laughs> I was the first person on here that had
0: Garrett Wilson as wide receiver one. I remember These are just the facts. I I still do love the guy. So I can't, I'm not going to be upset if they take him. I just, you know, I'm thinking about Zach. You guys are thinking about the player you like the most. And I'm thinking about Zach Wilson
1: because I care about him, you know, (laughs) because you want him to succeed. I
2: don't, but see, I don't see Joe. I don't let mediocre players get in the way of what I want. (laughs) All right, yeah, Zach might be Meigs, good. Who knows? Meigs,
0: with the, I mean, you had Devontae Wyatt as your wide receiver one last year. I mean, the, the amount Devontae I Wyatt is the Wyatt. <laughs> <I> mean, <Devontae laughs> Smith is your wide receiver one last yeah, year. Devontae Smith is the good. Amount, you the amount of mediocre play? The amount of <laughs> mediocre players that you have in top positions is absolutely absurd. Okay. You <laughs> even had who did you who was your CB1 last year me <laughs> a break? All right, we talk <laughs> <Those laughs> You Wilson, said Zach you Wilson, Wilson was going to throw, throw thirty told touchdown Zach passes Zach Wilson this mediocre, year. not Drake. And okay. you mad at me? Because Joe
1: loves Zach Wilson. Joe loves Zach Wilson. That Zach Wilson
0: was going to throw thirty touchdown passes
1: this year. Okay, Drake. <laughs> right?
0: And I don't want to throw I'm Da under the bus, it. but he thought he was only going to have five interceptions. I'm like, wait till he does no, that. No, that no I, I said seven. Let's be
1: front. I said seven. Five is low, man. Five is low. But I said seven.
0: Let's not talk about the takes out of here because I think the listeners know.
1: They know. All right. That James's name is Fuego, but the hot I'm, takes are over here. I'm starting to think that Joe Horning, Joe Horning is your burner, Joe. He says the things to us that you won't say to us until we're <laughs> off the air. I think that's what's happening here. Joe Horning is probably our most loyal listener. Love that guy. I, I love shout Joe out him. to Shout out to Joe H, man. Shout out to Joe H. Guys, it has been an absolute pleasure rocking with you guys tonight for what can only be described as, you know, when like the shield got back together or if the Lakers decided to keep Kobe and Shaq and really build around them. That's, that's what this feels like. It has been an absolute pleasure. I'm, I'm just incredibly proud of all the work that you guys have done. It's been amazing. Uh, Thank you guys for welcoming me back. Um, Dylan, you need to come back to get your lashings from me for this Jahan Dotson nonsense. (laughs) Step up to the plate, young fella. Come and get your lashings. But thank you guys for tuning in to TOJ's draft season. As always, uh, make sure to check out the TOJ draft season site this upcoming season. We're going to have a bunch of stuff on it. Shout out to Will for all the great work he's done on TOJ Pod. Shout out to Steven Zance and Steven Russo for the return of TOJ Live. We are the four horsemen of the TOJ draft coverage. And good night.